Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So let's say you're in 11th grade and you were promised a field trip with the AP language and composition teacher. And it's a charter school and you're all ready to go. And there's no bus driver to take you. Oh, no. What do you do? Well, if you're Jim Mayers, you promise the kids a fun field trip. You deliver. Whether there's a school bus or not, you go ahead and rent a party bus with a stripper pole and neon lights and take those kids on that field trip just like you promised them have a fun day in that party bus as you take those kids on their field trip (laughs) i wish that would have happened in 11th grade for me now really that just i mean it's a lot more comfortable than that school bus they would have been riding on but You know, of course, some people have to have an issue with it. The teacher, though, is like, hey, school bus drivers don't grow out of trees. And uh, we had a hard enough time to get this thing going. We promised the kids a field trip. This is the only bus we could get. And so we made it happen. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Fat Pile Friday on Chewing the Fat. All right. Welcome to fat pile friday on chewing the fat i've got uh, headlines and a lie for you three headlines and a lie from my uh morning brew email you can tell me uh, you can choose you figure out which one is the lie okay first headline samuel adams latest potent beer is illegal in 15 states number two with natural gas prices skyrocketing in europe and everywhere really uh one uk man sees gold in bottled flatulence Headline number three, Tim Cook told employees, hey, you leak memos, you do not belong at Apple. Oh, Rwandan court, headline number four, Rwandan court finds Hotel Rwanda film hero guilty in terrorism case. There's four headlines. One of those is a lie. Which one? Samuel Adams, natural gas, (laughs) bottle of flatulence, Tim Cook leaked memos, Rwandan court finds the Hotel Rwanda film hero guilty in terrorism case. I think you know. You want one of the others to be a lie, but you know that the bottle flatulence, well, it's a lie today, but it won't be a lie soon because uh, somebody will definitely, I mean, you can, we sell flatulent cans, right? Where we can make (laughs) a flatulent spray. (laughs) but uh he's not selling it uh, in the uk samuel adams beer i really found that uh, fascinating uh illegal in 15 states so they've got this new beer 240 dollars a bottle it's going to be available in october october 11th at uh, 240 dollars for a 25.4 ounce bottle it's the 12th version of the utopias brand that the brewery is going to roll out Now, it contains 28% alcohol by volume, and that's more than five times the average strength of U.S. beers. So it's illegal to sell in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, Utah, Vermont, and West Virginia. So if you live in one of those states... You might as well go to another one that's not on the list to get yourself a Samuel Adams 28% alcohol by volume, $240 
bottle of beer. A can of beer, Jeff. Okay. All right. Whatever. And it's the official beer of the Inspiration Four. So the money raised uh, for an autographed can or bottle is going to be given to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which is, you know, that's kind of cool. I, I get it. And then you had Tim Cook. Uh, he's, uh, you know, pissed that uh, he got together and uh, gave the company a thing and he talked to them and sent them an email and said, hey, everything is fine and uh, we're going to move forward after the epic uh, v. Apple antitrust case and uh, I'm going to uh, make sure that we have frequent testing for unvaccinated employees, but I'm not going to mandate vaccines. And then uh, it was leaked right after the meeting and he was pissed. So he's saying, uh, we're going to find out who leaked it and uh, have a nice day. They do not belong at Apple. Remember, that's, I mean, that's Netflix's deal, too. If you've got a complaint or, you know, you, we do something uh, in business, that stays in-house. They all believe in that, man. So they don't want any of that. And so, they, I mean, they're going to treat it like it's a product leak. I don't know. that that's a, That'd be a good lawsuit against them. I mean, I guess maybe in your contract you could sign that. And if they can... T- consider it a product leak that you're gone but i don't know that's a little bit of a stretch i know that they're already facing pressure over uh you know workplace woes and insufficient wokeness was the headline about apple they uh, want tim cook to uh you know be more woke oh apple be more woke <laughs> okay you got it man i don't know that's pretty good. Now, they claim in this article that, uh, you know, there's verbal abuse and sexual harassment and retaliation, and discrimination. Okay. I mean, they're they're trying to, you know, hashtag Apple too, but uh, we'll see what becomes of that. I know that they had the big, uh, the big promotion leak this week talking about their new Apple phone that's going to go ahead and be able to detect depression. And cognitive decline. Well, maybe that's for our president. But uh, cognitive, I don't know how you figure that one out. Uh, hey, you're getting dumber. Go get another phone. Not quite sure how that one works. And uh, <laughs> I see the uh, the Rwanda court did find the Hotel Rwanda film hero, Paul Rusabegina. What, what's his name again? Rusabegina. That's what I said. Paul Rusesabagina. Yeah, that's what I said. He uh, was found guilty of supporting terrorism uh, and uh, he will be jailed for 25 years. And he has claimed that uh, he was kidnapped from Dubai to put on, to be put on trial. Supporters have said the trial was a sham and proof of the ruthlessness of the uh, political heads. So Rusesabagina. What's his name again? Rusesa Bagina. Right. Paul. Rusesa Bagina. Yeah. Um, know, for some reason, I can't get that right. I mean, prosecutors had been seeking life in prison, but he was acquitted on uh, creating an illegal armed group. And he was uh, so he, had, he wasn't convicted of all nine charges, but he's 67. So 25 years, that's pretty close to a life sentence. Another person that's in trouble is the lady who went to Hawaii and used the, well, I'm sorry, the alleged fake COVID-19 vaccination card. 
where she misspelled Moderna. Uh, it was supposed to be, uh, you know, M-O-D-E-R-N-A. And on her uh, vaccination card, it was M-A-D-E-R-N-A. So it caught everybody like, e, that's not right. So she was released without bail earlier this month. She was from Illinois. And she went back to Illinois. Well, now she was supposed to appear for a virtual court hearing following her arrest. And she didn't show up. And that made the judge kind of unhappy. So the judge issued a $500 warrant for the 24-year-old woman. And for her arrest in Illinois from Hawaii. I don't know. Good luck. God bless on that. But uh, it was just a status hearing. They usually don't request a warrant for that status hearing. But in this case, I mean, she used a fake COVID-19 vaccination card, allegedly. So I thought she was being represented by the public defender's office from the state. But the office said, ooh, yeah, no, we we defended her the first time. But uh, she didn't fill out any application or anything for our services this time around. So therefore... We're not representing her. And an AP reporter reached out and called her as she hung up the phone, which was a good move. Uh, just because someone puts a camera or a microphone, I don't even know why she picked up the phone, but she did. And uh, realized that it was, hey, this is Associated Press, just wondering what the heck. Click. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, after this. Now that she has a warrant out for her arrest from the state of Hawaii, and she's in Illinois, and now she's, you know, just, I guess, not technically missing, but missing. Uh, just will be interesting to see what kind of what kind of sentence she gets for this. Then we have the guy in Pennsylvania that uh, stopped by a convenience store and saw a sign that said the 20-ounce Mountain Dew bottles, two for $3. He grabbed a bottle, slapped $2 on the counter, and walked out. What he didn't realize, or maybe he did and just said, I'm not going to pay it, but the bottle was $2.29, not $1.50. So he shorted the store 29 cents plus tax or 43 whole cents. So the store called police on him, who then tracked him down. The state police officers charged him with a felony, locked him up on $50,000 cash only bond. He's facing the possibility of up to seven years in prison. Now, you think to yourself, that's a little much just for that. Yes, it is. But he was in trouble before. He had a few other things that happened to him, which is why this was such a big deal on the state's three strikes law. And it doesn't matter what the value of the theft was, although it really kind of should. His first theft conviction occurred more than 10 years ago and it just involved a tank of gasoline he drove off without paying for it i mean he didn't have the money you know and then he was arrested for stealing a pair of shoes at kmart which cost 39.99 and for that crime he paid more than 866 dollars in fines and fees was sentenced to three months in jail for a probation violation wow he's you know probation for another violation so I mean, this guy is now facing seven years in prison, and these three strikes that he has against him is, uh, you know, I'm all for convicting criminals. I'm with you. And, you know, maybe he shouldn't have, you know, stolen the shoes or the tank of gas, but he actually put money on the counter, and it's 43 cents, and this 
Oh, I was going to say a bad word. This person working behind the counter at the convenience store calls the police to have this guy arrested for 43 cents. Come on now. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. And then they put $50,000 cash bond on it. The guy can't pay 43 cents extra for a bottle of soda. And you're going to put $50,000 cash only bond. You know, he doesn't have that. So now he just sits in jail. That's an issue. Perhaps we need to revisit this. Uh, that's an issue. There are some uh, extenuating circumstances on some of these cases that perhaps some common sense could be used. <laughs> uh, that's silly. I know. I know. What, what makes you think that our criminal justice system would have common sense? No, it's the law. Damn it. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Ah, yeah. I got to find something, though, that's more refreshing. Just have to. All right. Hey, did you catch the end of Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu? Finally came to an end, the eight-episode miniseries. And uh, it was uh, okay. Uh, It was ended kind of the way you thought it would. It was kind of cool. I was hoping for maybe a little bit bigger fireworks at the end. But it was, you know, worth a watch and it was fun to watch and be ready to go deep inside yourself and try to find yourself during those eight episodes of Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. And then, of course, it's the fall season. I mean, all the shows are coming back now, big time. The new episodes are being advertised every day. They're coming out in the next, you know, two or three weeks. And I I see where they had the, uh, you know, the, the FBI and FBI Most Wanted and FBI International. It's a three-part crossover event. And I I I want to like these shows, but I just they're just not really I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Good. However, I do like the only reason I like the FBI. Now the Most Wanted is eh. International might be okay. We'll see. You know, of course it was a way to promote it bring out a new show with the crossover event as they, you know, start the case with the FBI and it goes to most wanted. And then they bring in international. I got it. But with the FBI episodes, they, I like the way they use the technology to find the criminals. And I mean, social media, phone tracking, all of it. It's really cool. When I say really cool, because uh, I wouldn't want them to be after me. And then I read an article about this geofence location warrants. You know, they're just research or reverse search warrants. So Google revealed for the first time in August that it received 11,554 geofence location warrants from law enforcement agencies in 2020. In 2019, it was 8,396, and in 2018, it was 982. So they are busy using this geofencing, and that's a location warrant. It's like, okay, well, the crime happened in this area. Let's see who all was there. Um, that's not really the way it's supposed to work, but with this FBI, they use, they don't necessarily, I don't know that I've seen them use the geofencing, but they definitely use social media and then they do the uh they do the Kevin Bacon where it's uh you know 
seven degrees or six degrees or 10 degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever the hell the line is, but they use, so you posted a picture with this person, facial recognition shows who this person is. And then they go to those accounts really kind of, uh, it's kind of fascinating. And you know that that's what they're doing anyway. It's the fall season and, and, uh, only murders in the building, I think ends coming up with their late next episode two on Hulu, which has been really good, really fun and well worth the watch. So, you know, you can enjoy it. And speaking of Kevin Bacon, I see where he's back in the news because he's getting back into the uh, uh, horror movies that got him started years ago. Now, good news, though, because it's not just your everyday horror stuff anymore. All right. So Kevin is going to be joining John Logan in this untitled horror project at Bloomhouse, And he's going to serve as the executive producer with Scott Turnell Schofield. And they're going to put it all together. But, uh, it, the movie is being tagged as an LGBTQIA plus empowerment tale set at a gay conversion camp. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I mean, Okay, just, okay. Go ahead and just write your own jokes. As long as you're writing your own jokes, just know that Marvel Studios, you know, they might go ahead and drop men from the X-Men. Yeah, that's right. You heard me right. We got to get rid of the men. It's just those days are over. Marvel Studios, new president of physical post-production VFX and animation Victoria Alonzo hinted that the internal thinking is that the name X-Men isn't sufficiently inclusive. I know. I mean, right. I don't know where the future is going. It's funny that people call it the X-Men. There's a lot of female superheroes in that X-Men group. So I think it's outdated, right? Yes. What you want to do is create this huge series of movies and characters and have people know them for the (laughs) X-Men and then drop it because it just isn't right anymore. It's just insufficiently inclusive. Wow. And I say insufficiently. It really, the quote is, isn't sufficiently inclusive. So I guess it's just X. And I don't know why this would be, but only a quarter of Americans believe Hollywood has a positive influence on American society. What? There's a surprise. There's a new Rasmussen reports poll that shows the public isn't impressed by celebrity activism. So the industry's overall impact on culture or both, uh, in fact, it suggests stars may be doing more harm than good for their preferred causes. And I could tell you right now, they don't care. But the poll conducted uh, over the phone and web-based queries between September 7th and 8th with a thousand respondents to two questions. Generally speaking, do movies and the movie industry have a positive or negative impact on American society? How would you describe the politics of Hollywood, conservative, moderate, or liberal? Respondents noted the industry's progressive tendencies. 56% uh, dubbed Hollywood liberal. Wow, that's 
uh, seems pretty low to me, actually. It should be a lot more because uh, they are. Hardly a shock. Uh, give it, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, uh, for sure, that needs to be higher. Uh, more telling is how the public views Hollywood's shadow over the American landscape. Barely more than one in four adults said the industry had a positive influence on our country. Well, positive or not, that influence is still there. You can count on that. But anyway, that's kind of surprising and uh, surprising even more so to me that only 56% dubbed Hollywood liberal. I guess maybe, you know, if you'd asked, are they communists? (laughs) Maybe that percentage goes up, but there you have it. Ransomware and cyber crimes. Well, the Treasury Department has issued its first sanctions against the cryptocurrency exchange to fight the growing problem of ransomware attacks. So the target, Russia-based SUEX, S-U-E-X, which is one of the most prolific money launderers in the crypto universe, 40%, according to this, 40% of its transactions involve unlawful activities, such as accepting payments from ransomware attackers and other cyber criminals. Ransomware attacks, 300% up in 2020 crippled supply chains and critical infrastructure by holding digital information hostage colonial pipeline uh you know forced to go offline for six days in may an iowa grain co-op was hit by a cyber attack this past week the hackers demanded 5.9 million to unlock the organization's data remember we talked uh, during the colonial pipeline about all the other smaller companies that uh, are under attack and how they have people negotiating for them According to this, more sanctions on criminals in digital currency space should be expected. I mean, we have the hackers that stole all the information from Epic, which, you know, hosts sites like Gab and 8chan and BitChute and Daily Stormer and sites for the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, which, you know, so what? My gosh. But, you know, so they got hacked. The hacktivist group Anonymous uh, allegedly hacked the web domain uh, epic and said that uh, it stole epics customers and data information from the employees inbox in which they claim all that's needed to trace actual ownership and management of the fascist side of the internet that has eluded researchers activists as well as just about everybody so i mean that was hacked we had the ransomware again where the justice ministry of south africa The entire government was attacked and encrypted all of its systems. They are working to restore those operations, uh, but it made all electronic services unavailable, both internally and to the public. So that's going on. I mean, you have an an amazing amount. Uh, Earlier this month, they, according to this, $600 million in crypto from decentralized finance platform poly network and one of the biggest crypto heists the cyber attack comes hot on the heels of several major attacks through the year uh you know they all go back to colonial pipeline and uh they wanted 75 bitcoin for at the time um 406.3 million dollars in 2020 
was paid out in cryptocurrency ransoms. Wow. That's over. I mean, that's over 300% uh, from the previous year, 337% up. Wow. And the ransom uh, payments are on pace to pass seven figures as well this year, according to Chain Alysis. And there's a great interview with uh, someone from Chain Alysis that talks about what's being done and what's going on. But uh, the crime on the blockchain isn't just a problem for big companies. Right, which is what we talked about before. 7,000 individual investors lost about $80 million to cryptocurrency. Well, they call them scams uh, from October 2020 to March 2021. Wow, that's 1,000% more uh, over the over the year's time. So illicit activity on the blockchain uh, from minor scams to elaborate ransomware attacks. And according to this, faking your own death. <laughs> so, I mean, it's amazing what's happening in the cyber. So there's a great article uh, from uh, Kimberly Grower, director of research at Chain Analysis, that goes in depth. I mean, it's really fascinating what's happening behind the scenes as well as what we see as far as all this. I don't even know. You know I mean, we are, we are f- trying to get ahead of it. But I don't know that we ever will. At least there's some people trying to help and save the planet. There's a big event going on tomorrow, 24 hours. Uh, Today, if you're listening live, it's the 24th of September, 2021. So tomorrow, the 25th of September, 24 hours, six continents, one planet, global citizen live. Defend the planet, defeat poverty. Move the world one action at a time. Laos, Paris, New York City, Los Angeles, Rio, Sydney, Seoul, Mumbai, London, and always my favorite, and more. (laughs) So you'll be able to watch that. And man, that will just be great because remember, together we can move the world one action at a time. So you can join fellow global citizens, historic artists, and leaders from around the world to defend the planet, defeat poverty. This 24-hour event is part of a campaign, a recovery plan for the world, which focuses on COVID-19, okay, Uh, ending the hunger crisis, okay, resuming learning for all, okay, protecting the planet, oh boy, Now we're talking about climate change and advancing equity for all. Oh, the ever all encompassing equity. Only a few countries, according to this, have access to enough COVID-19 medical supplies. And this needs to change. Well, the president of the United States of America is certainly on board with that. He vowed to donate another 500 million Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine doses to poorer countries and he also said that the u.s would give out 500 million doses to combat the spread of the virus and he's now doubling that number and called on other world leaders to join in helping vaccinate 70 percent of the global population by next september so far the u.s has shipped out about 160 million doses donating more than any other country but the number still falls short of the 11 million doses the WHO says are needed to end the pandemic. So the announcement comes amid wide disparities in vaccine equity. <laughs> I can't 
take it. One analysis found that about 43% of the world population has gotten at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. But, but, only 2% of people in low-income countries have gotten at least one dose. However, when you look at a lot of those countries, like let's use a continent, just throw one out there. Let's throw the continent of Africa out there. Uh, They have been uh, pretty strong in uh, battling against COVID with uh, uh, something called, uh, what's it called again? Oh yeah, that horse dewormer, (laughs) ivermectin. So there's that, but nobody wants you to pay attention to that. So anyway, the Global Citizen Live is 24 hours, six continents, one planet. And you say, wait, how do I watch? Well, I'll tell you. It's going to be on Apple Music, Apple TV, Global Citizen, Twitter, YouTube, iHeartRadio. There's broadcast partners all around the globe. ABC, Apple, BBC, I mean, FX, iHeart, YouTube, Time, it's all, they're all going to be airing it. And uh, iHeart's going to have it up on the radio. I'm not sure. I guess you'll have to check your local listings. <laughs> I'm sure they've been promoting it, uh, you know, all week or month or whatever and had interviews with the Global Citizen Live people. So this is, you know, they're trying to do a live aid all over again, except that they want to defend the planet and defeat poverty good luck god bless all right let's get through some of these headlines another body has been found they found another body a hunter was looking for a shortcut a, a hunter, a bow hunter, not hunter, not the hunter, uh, was in Idaho and he was looking for a shortcut to go from one hunting camp to another. And he found, stumbled across a body that's been missing for 53 years. And as usual, it's really kind of sad. So Raymond Jones, a 39 year old man, has been missing since 1968. He was bow hunting for mountain goats in uh, up in these mountains in S- September of 1968. And there were some other hunters in the camp, but he was by himself when he disappeared. They searched for him. They looked everywhere for him. They briefly started looking another time when they found footprints, and they just never found him. 53 years later, this hunter was, you know, again, looking for a shortcut and he stumbled across the human remains and they, you know, waited. I love the article. It made me think that I actually wrote the article, the joke of 18, which I, you know, haven't used in a long time, but, uh, which is an old, old joke from the Pat and Stu television show days. But, uh, according to this, the hunter was seeking a shortcut from one hunting area to another when he found human remains and then contacted the sheriff's office due to the lack of remaining daylight and ruggedness of the terrain recovery efforts began on the morning of the 18. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not the 18th, not the next morning. But the morning of the 18th. So I, I just want to be clear. If you read the article, I didn't write it. So the family is uh, been alerted. The wife is still alive. If he would have been alive, I mean, he would have been 92. 
if he was still alive today. Just incredible that they found him. And I mean, I'm sure it's relief to the family to actually have closure on, you know, husband, father, whatever. But, uh, you know, incredible that we're still finding bodies in the mountains. We talked about they find them in, uh, <laughs> they find them everywhere, man. People go out into the wilderness. There's still a thing called the wilderness. Now, another thing that was found that had been missing for 150 years was a headstone. And you, what? A headstone was missing? Yeah. So, apparently, they, an Okemos family, Okemos, Michigan, and it's right outside of Lansing. I spent a lot of time in Okemos, actually, as a kid. I had an aunt who lived in Okemos. She used to run the state of Michigan library. But uh, that's where she lived, in Okemos. I was there all the time. Anyway, uh, they a family uh, moved to a nursing home, and they hired an auctioneer to come and clean out her house. And they came, and uh, they turned around a granite slab to discover that it was a headstone. And these people at the Lansing Historic Cemetery said, uh, that belonged to a guy that moved here in 1845 he died in 1849 we buried him in oak park cemetery then we moved him to mount hope cemetery and we figured the headstone just got lost in transition it's a five foot tall white granite monument and it belongs to the grave of this peter j weller so they just for 146 years they figured that the headstone was just lost and it was it was in the basement of this guy's house in okamas michigan and the family of this guy said yeah we just used it to make fudge on (laughs) wait what yeah nobody in the family knows where it came from we don't know how it showed up there but it was down in the basement and we just used it to make fudge Oh, okay. I mean, you didn't turn it over and say, hey, who's this guy? No, they didn't do that. They just, they used the one side. It was a big piece of granite and we're using it to make fudge on. So anyway, they found the headstone of Mr. Weller and it's back in its rightful place. Okay. So now we have laser chicken. Yes. Laser chicken chicken so engineers from the columbia university's school of engineering and applied sciences creative machines lab uh, has shown that different types of lasers can be used to cook 3d printed chicken we are almost at the jetsons food machine so you can 3d print the chicken and then laser cook it you could push the button and there's your food Amazing. So the researchers used pureed raw chicken to create samples that were three millimeters thick by about one square inch in area with a 3D food printer. Then they cooked the 3D printed chicken using pulses of blue or near infrared laser light with different wavelengths, according to the published paper in the journal NPJ Science of Food. And who doesn't get the journal of npj science of food if you missed your latest edition it is fascinating because it talks about laser chicken so cooking times vary from five to 14 minutes that's too long that's too long we need to be able to push a button and have it be there so (laughs) we have to wait five minutes what 
what is this a drive-through do i have to leave my home so the laser went through the meat in various uh, spiral patterns and thoroughly cooked it and an infrared camera monitored the surface temperature of the chicken at all times and it seemed to work so we've got laser chicken all right let's bring it on i'm all for it we're gonna 3d print my meat and then we're gonna laser cook it i know there's some jokes in there somewhere but i'll let you go ahead and write them you know what today is just write your own jokes day all right you can laser you can 3d print your meat and laser cook it yourself as well just leave it right there so anyway while we are 3d printing our meat and laser cooking it we really don't know why we don't have tails do you ever ask yourself that question i wonder why we as humans don't have tails i mean mammals from mice to monkeys have tails but humans and uh, you know the great apes our cousins don't have tails well researchers now have unearthed a simple genetic change that led to our abbreviated back end a piece of dna that leapt into the new chromosomal home that changed how great apes make a key developmental protein so a student at new york university's grossman school of medicine says you know i wondered as a child why people didn't have tails and then i had a tailbone injury a few years ago and it renewed my curiosity so gosh darn it i wanted to look into it and so he started you know to search for ape specific changes in genes known to play a role in tail development the gene called tbxt which i mean if he would just called and asked i could have told him why don't you start with the gene tbxt found a strong suspect in uh in that gene there is a dna insertion called the alu element and that's present in all great apes but missing in other primates so all these sequences can move around the genome and are sometimes called jumping genes or transposable elements so the human genome making up about 10 percent of our dna sometimes an alu insertion interrupts a gene and prevents its protein production but it also means that we have a higher risk for birth defects involving the developing spinal cord but we're now getting a good idea on you know maybe we can maybe if we insert the alu <laughs> into the tbxt maybe we can start growing tails how cool would that be huh so i mean there's another one you can write your own jokes it's uh you know it's just full of things waiting to be joked on so according to this we know that some people are born with rudimentary tails and so sequencing their genomes might provide additional clues yeah you think but you're gonna have to get their go ahead for that so hey can we look at that you've got a little rudimentary tail there and no i'm not looking for a little tail but i am looking for that little tail see i've already started i've just got to stop i gotta stop all right speaking of speaking of getting a little tail I see a story where they are studying about dinosaurs and their reproductive life. So dino business, <laughs> they don't know how they were ever had dino business. We have one fossil, one fossil, the oldest known vertebrates to be fossilized while mating 
47 million year old turtles, which were attached by their genitals as they got buried alive. It's the only one we have. We don't, any of the other dinosaurs we found, none of them were taking care of a little business. Maybe they'd had it with each other. Maybe by the time, you know, the great asteroid came or it was time to end it, they were just had enough with each other. And maybe that's why they died. Maybe it wasn't the great asteroid. Maybe it was just like, you know what? I'm sick of looking at you. <laughs> and we we're just tired with each other. And finally, these turtles 47 million years ago were saying, I'm not giving up on that. I still want a little turtle business. So anyway, they're trying to piece together the sex lives of dinosaurs and they, they don't know. So, you know, okay. <laughs> I mean, they can't really tell now who was the male and who was the female from the fossilized bones. And if you watch, I mean, if you watch any TV show, any, uh, you know, crime show, uh, especially like the, the TV show bones, I mean, she could always tell whether if the bones were female or male. So, I mean, you can't tell that with dinosaurs. Maybe they ought to bring in, bring in the experts from television. Maybe we could set them straight. All I know is that we don't know how dinosaurs were taking care of a little business to create more dinosaurs. So if you want to, you know, work on something that could, I don't know what good it would do, but it'd be an interesting study. I mean, science evolves, right? It's not a, it's not a standard thing. It's not a set thing. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people would, you know, argue with that in today's world, but science changes. It's an evolving thing. I mean, we didn't think that birds were part of the dino world for a long time. And now we know, oh, you know, maybe they are. Yeah. We figure birds are a living relative to the dinosaurs. So, you know, there's the same theropods part of the same family as the T-Rex and the Velociraptor. Cause uh, apparently remember they found the, uh, the feathered fossils from China in the nineties. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, things changed. So according to one author who wrote, uh, locked in time, animal behavior unearthed in 50 extraordinary fossils, he would actually be interesting to talk to paleontologist uh, Dean Lomax, he would be fascinating to talk to. We do know, according to Dean, that they had scratching that was kind of like uh, a male thing to, you know, say, hey, I'm here, look at me. I guess we know that uh, we've found fossilized scrapes left behind on these, you know, 100 million old rocks in uh, prehistoric Dakota sandstone of western Colorado. One site revealed more than 60 distinct scrapes in a single area of up to uh, you know 164 feet long, 49 feet wide. So these scrapes, you know, they're guessing that uh, you know they were scraping the ground, saying, "Hey, yeah, look at me, and uh, don't you want to? Don't you want me?" <laughs> I'm gonna spread my feathers out and scrape my feet on the ground and impress you and you're gonna want a whole lot of me so if you're looking for something to do 
and you think, man, I've got some time. I want to drive, man. You know what sounds good? Going to La Junta, Colorado. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to La Junta, Colorado. Well, now's the perfect time. It's just three hours south of Denver, but you knew that already. But right now is a perfect time because it is tarantula mating season. So you can head out to La Junta and uh, watch tarantulas crawl around looking for a little tarantula business. I mean, we know how we know how tarantulas take care of business because we watch them. We go out there so thousands of the hairy brown creatures can be found scurrying across the rocky surface there in La Junta. And man, doesn't that sound fun? Just watching tarantulas looking for other business. I know I have not seen tarantula, you know, partying, going on, looking for business. So I don't know if they're busy scrapping the ground like the dinos or if they're singing and dancing. But it is the mate Gratian, baby. They come out and they're looking and now's the time. It's the beginning of fall and we got to take care of some tarantula business. So tarantulas are fine. They just, they, sometimes they shoot uh, some of their bristles out at you. Bristles, bristles, whatever you want to call them. Give you a little rash. If they bite you, you might get a little sick. They're not going to kill you. So you'll get over it. And they're just docile. Okay. I mean, I, a long time ago, I had a roommate that had a pet tarantula and they're actually boring. I know they're gentle giants, but they're really boring. And, uh, just crawl around. They don't really move much until they're hungry or until they're looking for some business. And when it's, uh, when it's time, when it's time to find a mate, they are out and looking and taking care of, uh, I mean, if you had an opportunity to sell maybe some cigarettes or some alcohol to these tarantulas, now would be the time. I mean, it's fair season. So you just show up and open up your little, your little fair, trailer and sell to the spiders how much fun would that be huh so if you're already hitching up the trailer to drive out to la junta colorado and take care of a few sales to the tarantulas drive careful okay we are in another epidemic and it is car crash epidemics okay virtually every american knows someone who's been injured in a car crash and each year cars kill about as many people as guns Uh, i love their analogy here and severely injure millions and according to this it's a public health crisis in any year okay cars killed 42,060 people in 2020 that's up from 39,107 in 2019 it's good we had a pandemic and nobody was out and about right really weird that the numbers went up but we talked about the numbers gradually going up in the beginning of the pandemic and they absolutely uh you know broke the year before record. Wow. The National Safety Council, uh, a nonprofit that focuses on eliminating preventable deaths, say that their numbers are usually higher than the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's numbers because they include car deaths in private spaces like driveways and parking lots, and it count deaths that occur up to a year after a crash. So those numbers from them are getting a lot higher. Anyway, if you're going to be out and about, be careful. As my grandfather used to say, watch out for the other guy. And, uh, 
you know what? As he also used to say, back up until you hear a crash and then hit her again. But I don't think he was talking about <laughs> every time we'd leave is back up. and Well, back up until you hear a crash and then hit her again. And then he'd be saying goodbye and say, you know, watch out for the other guy and keep your hat on. So I know you. So I love you, grandpa. All right. Keep your hat on. So I know you and watch out for the other guy. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.